This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 199, recorded February 11th, 2015. Welcome to the WKRP of Walking Dead podcasts, everybody. It is nice to be here. It is excellent to be here. I am your host, Venus Flytrap, and coming to you from the other side of the internet is... Uh, well, it would be Dr. Johnny Fever slash Les Nesman. Okay. You're, you're, you know, you're Venus Flytrap and Andy Travis all mixed into one because you produced the show, right? Uh-huh. And Venus Flytrap has his shit together. I'm more, I, yeah, I more or less uh, program the show, too. Yeah, yes, yeah, so you're program director. That's, yeah. what, uh, that's what he does. <laughs> and uh, I'm more of a Dr. Johnny Fever, kind of this laid-back guy that just kind of shows up and does this job, slash Les Nesman, who knows uh, not very much about sports, but uh, a little bit about pork belly futures. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, who is, do we have a, um, uh, what's the Herb other guy? Tarlac? Do we have a Herb Tarlac? I don't think we have a Herb Tarlac because nobody's selling anything on this show. <laughs> We're not selling commercials. No. Uh, we don't have a uh, Gordon Jump. What's his name? Big guy. Um, the the guy who owns the thing. Well, he uh, he runs the station. Yeah. I forget his name. Damn it. I don't know. I remember Gordon Jennifer. Gordon Jump is his real name. Yeah. Jennifer. Yeah. The secretary. That'd be nice. And, and good old Bailey. Good old Bailey. I was just going to say. I like yeah. Bailey. Trying hard. Young. You know, uh, trying trying hard. Trying to get ahead. Yeah. She does a good job. She does. Such a good show. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and watch it right now, but I won't because we're here doing this. Band I was in uh, covered the uh, WKRP theme song. A band? We did, the op- we, we did the opening theme song, and then we did the closing theme song. It was epic. A band I was in covered the Gilligan's Island theme song. Oh, I see. That's pretty good. We did uh, Love Boat, uh, WKRP, and... Uh, well, I forget as far as... Uh, show themes i think that was probably it um Uh, uh, gilligan's island that's pretty good yeah it was fun it went it always went over well in front of a crowd yeah they they you know they hear it they sing along everything was good anyway we should have a contest about uh what the lyrics are in the closing uh theme song to wkrp yeah i don't know i i know some of them from the opening theme song yeah, that's because the closing theme song doesn't have lyrics. Oh well. The, when they were writing the song, the uh, the the singer went in and did a bunch of sound like gibberish in order to get you know this is the idea of what I want in this song, and they'll fill in the music or the lyrics later. And they came back and said, "Yeah, that's good. We're just we're not going to do any real lyrics." <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a good bit of trivia. That's your walk or WKRP. Trivia factoid for the day. Yeah, for the day. I could do uh, WKRP factoids for the rest of this show. We could do a whole podcast on WKRP. Maybe we should. Maybe we should watch one episode at a time and uh, live commentary it. Right. That'd be awesome. For <laughs> I'm sure there's some, at least one fan out there that would listen to that. I would listen to it. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, here's something else you can listen to, though. We got an entry as at, in our, our Record Your Favorite Scene contest, I guess begging last uh, the other the other day helped. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> but this one comes from James in England, and I'm going to play. He sent two files. He sent an intro 
to his entry, and then he sent his entry. So I'm going to play part of his intro here, okay? and then we'll go right into his, his entry. Cool. Hi, guys. It's James from the UK here. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, decided I would do a scene for you guys. Um, it had to be Tyrese's monologue to his imaginary governor friend. I didn't know who I was talking to. I said I would do what I had to to earn my keep. But I didn't know you. But I know. I know who I am. I know what happened and what's going on. I know you didn't show me shit. You? You're dead. Everything you were is dead. And it's not over. I forgave her because it's not over. It's not over. I didn't turn away. I kept listening to the news to do what I could to help. I'm not giving up. You hear me? I'm not giving up. People like me, people like me, they can't live. Ain't nobody got to die today. There you go. There's James's entry doing uh, Tyrese's speech to the governor. That was awesome. I liked how good his accent was after hearing <laughs> yeah. his his real accent. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, thank you so much, James, for sending that in. If you heard that and it inspired you in any way, by all means, pick a scene from the show, record it on your phone or whatever other recording device you have, and fire it into us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can hear your own voice on the radio, too, or the, the podcast. The internet. On the internet. That's right. Thanks, James. And hopefully we get some more from other people. Let's get right into the next segment, which is this. Listener feedback. All righty. First one. Am I going first? You are. I should just assume that I always go first. You should. Thank you. This is Arthur from Brookfield, Connecticut. It's a quick holy crap that I thought I'd slot right in here before we get into the non-holy crap feedback. (laughs) Cool. And Arthur says... My holy crap, did you see that moment is when Tyrese was speaking to Martin, there was a zombie toy on the nightstand. I'm pretty sure that Kirkman implicitly said that in this universe, it was there was no such thing as a zombie. So I did see that and me, I forgot to call it out. Yeah, me too. I went back and checked and it sure is there. Now, when I saw it, I wasn't entirely sure that it would it was a zombie Per mm-hmm. se, it was a some kind of uh, monstrous creature, I assume, from a video game. Yeah, that's what I was sort of thinking, too, when I saw it. Kirkman did, in, fe- in fact, say this. I believe it was on an episode of AMC's Talking Dead show. Um, but you're right. It m- isn't necessarily a zombie. Maybe it's some other kind of horrible creature that wants to eat your brain, but, you know... In this yeah. universe, it's not a zombie. And at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Yeah. Go play Doom. There's lots of creatures just like that in Doom that are not zombies. That's true. Or like Doom 3. Ugh. Yeah, just monsters, right? Yeah. Just horrific, you know, uh, monsters may or may not be undead, just, you know, completely distorted humanoids uh, bent on the death and destruction of any living creature around them. Right. Because what do all monsters strive for? It's death and destruction of all living creatures around them. 
some monsters just want to be loved. <laughs> Look at the Vogons in uh, Guard- or not Guardians of the Galaxy. What's that called? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. They just want to be loved. I felt that that came across a little bit more in the movie than it did in the book, which I think was a change from book to movie in Hitchhikers. But you're right. They just wanted people well, to listen to their poetry. Why would they want? Why would they write poetry if they didn't want to be loved? Right? Well, they would just construct and or destruct and or fill out forms. Right? That's what they do. They They're a very bureaucratic society. They wouldn't write poetry if they didn't want to be loved. That's true. It's true. Poetry is about love. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a call from uh, Che in central Massachusetts. Yes. And this call, before I play it, does have some minor comic spoilers in it. They're old, though. They're from near the beginning of the comic. But just in case you're worried about that, this call is a minute 37. So you can skip ahead about that much time and not have to worry. Hey, guys. This is Che from central Massachusetts. I'm not going to lie to you. I sent a very similar comment to the uh, the Walking Dead cast, but I love you guys both equally. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about is Tyrese dying last night, and I was trying to figure out what character he was kind of the analog to in the comic book because I don't think he really matched up with the Tyrese in the comic book for the most part. And I was thinking, remember Alan from the very beginning, who was very different from the Alan that was actually in the TV series? But here are my thoughts. A couple of parallels. Alan was the father of Ben and Billy, whereas Tyrese in the TV show kind of became the de facto father of Lizzie and Mika, who were the equivalents of Ben and Billy. Um, Both of them died after they were bit, and there was an attempted amputation, but it failed to save them. Um, Both of them were really broken men after the loss of a loved one, and they both were prone to fits of anger, and they were unable to cope with the world around them. And then finally... Um, Alan in the comic lost his wife in the Wiltshire development and then he died in the prison. Whereas Tyrese lost Karen in the prison and then he died, I don't know whether you noticed this, in the Shire Wilt development. So just a few thoughts uh, for you. Hope you guys like them. Thanks, bye. Love the show. All right, thank you very much, Jay. Um, So this makes me think of something that Scott M. Gimple said uh, recently, I think, and that is that they are in some ways, you know, under his watch, going to be incorporating things from the comic a little bit more closely. And I think we've experienced that as, you know, he's put his stamp on this show. Mm-hmm. Even though it's different characters, we have Alan, old Alan in the comic, and we have Tyrese in the TV show. There there, there are parallels there. And, and, you know, I didn't really see it until Che all laid it out like that, but it's gone back you know, fairly far back into Tyrese's history on the show. So it's yeah. a pr- pretty good call, pretty good catch. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, we we definitely know we're getting the same uh, themes and, uh, you know, events occurring, but with different characters, uh, you know, participating in that, in that stuff. So yeah, for it, sure. It seems to be happening more and more anyways. So yeah. thank you, Che. This next email is from James in New York. Uh, this is a little bit of housekeeping, sort of, on, on James's part here. I was watching Talking Dead on AMC, and Greg Nicotero said it had been 17 days between Beth's death and Tyrese's death. He also revealed that Noah's community was attacked by bad people, and the disembodied torsos and heads would be a mystery that unfolds. Well, that's kind of spoilery. Well, okay. He's, I guess he's saying that, I guess it is, if you're if you're wondering if that's going to be addressed ever again in the show, those torsos. Um, but I think it's interesting that he was able to say it's been 17 days. Yeah. We were, we were speculating about that, if you recall. Yes, we were. And revealing that Noah's community was attacked by bad people, I don't see that as either really here nor there. I mean, 
they're not staying not, there, and what does it mean? I don't know. Not unless it comes up again, right? If the the bad people had to do uh, are the same bad people that are uh, you know collecting zombie torsos with the head still attached, then it's one and the same, and it'll become a a thing in the next in the coming episodes. But uh, you know, obviously, there's a hole in the fence, and something drove through that hole in the fence, and you know, as far as I know, we haven't seen a zombie drive in anything in the last uh, couple of seasons. <laughs> so uh, somebody drove through that fence knocking a hole in it. So I assumed that they were attacked by people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, you're right. We haven't seen a zombie chauffeur or a zombie truck driver. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that zombie lady in the car, uh, you know, that ran into the uh, the truck with all the zombie torsos in it. Uh-huh. So I don't think she was driving at the time. Maybe, you know, it was a woman that was driving that died in the impact uh-huh. or the resulting gunfire because those, both those vehicles were riddled with bullet holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I assume she became a zombie in that car and not the driver of that car. Right. It's uh, It's unlikely. You don't see a lot of zombies, you know, hitting road trips and stuff. So I think these bad people are the very people that are responsible for the zombie torsos. Maybe that's what they're doing. They attacked this place in order to get people, in order to manufacture more zombie torsos for whatever weird ritual and or uh, trap that they're building. Or what was the third thing, the uh, the idea we had that we're going to use them to hold stuff? (laughs) Zombie torso clamps, yes. Yeah, zombie torso clamps or maybe scarecrows. Scarecrows, I said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds, of, you know, 101 uses for a zombie torso. Either way, uh, Nicotero says that it's a mystery that will unfold, so we have that to look forward to. There you go. All right, next we have an email from uh, Shannon on the internet. Hey, guys, so much to process from this episode. I thought it was brilliant. I was a little worried we were going to see a lot of the group making the journey from Georgia to Virginia for the whole second half of the season, and I'm really glad they didn't go that route. I loved the dreamlike quality so much of the episode, uh, of so much of the episode. It was a departure from the norm, and I don't expect we'll see that sort of thing again, but I enjoyed it. It seemed a fitting send-off for poor Tyrese. Yeah, fully uh, fully agree with that. I, I really enjoyed the 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 approach to this episode and the way they the way they let the story unfold and the way they told it and as you said the the burning negative effect that they used on a lot of the yeah. sort of mystery footage that was in there i thought they did a really nice job and i like it when stories kind of gloss over some boring stuff like getting from point a to point b that takes 17 days apparently yeah uh, i like it when they they gloss over that like there's so many shows that uh you know have large time spans in between episodes and there are some shows that uh that don't have any like mm-hmm. deadwood was notorious for this uh if you've ever watched deadwood the episodes take place like seconds after the previous episode ends like the whole span of the uh, an entire season of Deadwood takes place in a couple of days, mm-hmm. and the next season takes place a couple of days after that. Well, that's cool. I have never watched Deadwood, but that sounds really neat. Um, you know, with The Walking Dead, time jumps are usually between seasons. Right here, we have one in the middle of a season, although over a hiatus. Um, but I agree. I, I'm I'm glad that they didn't take the back half of this season on the road uh yeah i don't want them to i don't want them to go too fast through story either and i don't want them to skip over important stuff but you could argue that we've seen this group on the road numerous times before and you know we've seen them traveling maybe not a ton but let's get to the let's get to the good stuff 
Right. And it just, it's, I find the only thing I, I didn't like about the glossing over it is that anytime in during the story uh, where they find a vehicle, they've got problems. But when you're glossing over stuff and they find a vehicle or two, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Like they found enough gas. They found a good, reliable uh, couple of vehicles to get them that uh, 500 miles over 17 days. And uh, that was just fine. It worked for me. Yeah. No, uh, you know, no massive hordes that they had to stop for. Uh, no roadblocks that they had to stop for. Because these have all happened in the past mm-hmm. when they try and get point from point A to point B in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So this time uh, it just happened to all work out, which is great. Does it, although does it bother you at all that they made such a big deal of that massive herd that the folks in the fire truck encountered and they couldn't progress? And now they've just kind of let that go and skipped over it and they're 500 miles away. Well, I assume because they knew about that, uh, that they went around it. Like they went a different route. Maybe that's why it took 17 days mm-hmm. was that there's like, okay, we can't go that way because there's this big horde of, uh, you know, herd of zombies. So we can't go that way anymore. So uh, we're going to have to go around it and go this way. Like drive west for five days and then north or north and come or, back whatever, or whatever. Because they were trying to go a beeline between Atlanta and, uh, and Washington mm-hmm. when they ran into that thing and they thought, okay, we're going to have to go around it. Like all oh, that'll take a week. Yep. But I guess they took that week. To go around it. So. And, and it was mostly boring. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All right. Uh, next is a call from Allison in Indianapolis. Hi, guys. This is Allison in Indianapolis. And first of all, I love that I can just call the bomb line. That is fantastic. That means I don't have to type. I don't have to try to type it out on my iPad. Fantastic idea. Thank you. All right. So feedback. I have one issue that it's really bugging me. How long does Tyrese have to stand there staring at the picture of the twins while the twin bomb comes up and he turns around and he's like, oh, there he is. Oh, here's my arm. Bite it. Did you guys have the same issue? It just seemed like he stood there forever. And of course, we can see in the background, you know, the shadow from, or the reflection from the picture frame, but still... He already knew somebody was in that room. I just kind of made me, that made me a little crazy. Plus, um, Noah, you know, we go back to Noah after he's gone for help and he's crouched underneath, you know, some lattice. How did that happen? So, um, tell me what you think of those two points. Love the podcast. Keep it up. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Allison. So, Tyrese, I mean, yeah, he kind of stood and stared at that photo for a while. Um, but, you know, he was taking it all in. That's the, sort of the way I see it. He's He'd just come into this house where he knows Noah lived. This was Noah's family. Noah's mother is lying on the ground with half of her head missing. And uh, Tyrese is a, an emotional, sensitive guy. So he was just kind of studying that photo because I think that's what he does. Yeah, and he was—he's tired. I mean, when you get uh, super tired and you've been stressed out for a long time, you get—you uh, know—you get a little you stare off into spacey kind of thing. So maybe this is one of those things where he's just like, uh, and you take a couple of seconds. And walking into that room, he mentally had cleared that house, mm-hmm. right? He's like, okay, there's a lady dead on the floor in the living room. She's not getting up. There's a zombie behind a door. That's fine. So mentally, everything's everything's cool. So. You know, his brain, he relaxed a little bit and his brain just wandered a little bit and it was not the right thing to do. Well, that's, and that's a good point. That's a, that's a, 
a f- grave error on his on his side because you know there's a zombie in the house he's aware of it it's behind a door sure but i mean we've seen zombies start to climb fences before so and we've seen zombies fiddle with door handles before so yep. you know he needs to a house is not clear if there's a zombie inside and he knew right. the zombie was there so i think you know it was poor judgment or or just you know a bad decision on his part all right, so let's just uh, let's uh, take that as a lesson to everybody. You keep your head on a swivel, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always look around. Yeah. All right. Next, we have uh, an email from friend of the show Adam in Texas. Okay, two years into the zombie apocalypse, how did Tyrese not see the Walker sneaking up on him? This seems like an apt email. Uh, I get that the writers need to sub- subtract characters because poignancy, but it's getting. Uh, getting to be harder and harder to believe someone would get zombie creeped like that. That said, sigh. This is how you do a poignant character death. At least the part, uh, at least the part that came after he was bit. The cameos, the hallucinating, all the hard and uh, sorry, all hit hard and made me really sad to see Tyrese go. Yep, I mean, kind of the same point as in Allison's call, but he he turns around. Uh, Adam does and says that like despite sort of the contrived way that you know the zombie got up behind him and bit him it worked it worked on an emotional level more than anything else yeah and I I 100% agree with that I was really bummed to see Tyrese go and it was drawn out like this was one of the longer drawn out deaths for a character I mean you could argue that Jim way back in season one had a similar type thing where he wasn't really hallucinating. We were more seeing what was going on in his mind, right? In his yep. brain. And yep. he was alive while they were on the road for a while. Then they left him by a tree and whatnot. But um, we didn't know Jim nearly as well. We knew Tyrese pretty well. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, next, Heather on the internet writes, I hear a lot of people questioning why Karen wasn't in Tyrese's hallucination. I was curious if you had any thoughts about the absence of Herschel. Herschel was the voice of reason and generally kept reminding Rick and the gang about compassion and humanity being important qualities to hold on to in this world. With that, I would have thought that he would have popped up in Tyrese's hallucination. Oh, yeah. Try getting him. He's busy. Busy. But I also don't think Herschel is as important um, as is. It wasn't as important a figure in Tyrese's life. Right. There's another theory. I mean, the next email from Sloan on the internet has uh, has another take on this kind of thing. So uh, the dead people who showed up with Tyrese were all people from his life that he had unfinished business with. Tyrese had unresolved guilt about Bob, Lizzie, Mika, and Beth. With the girls, you could argue he wasn't watching them, uh, and I didn't see that coming and could maybe have prevented it. Uh, with Beth, you could argue if they had gone with Rick's plan, she might still be alive. As far as Bob goes, uh, he didn't die because of Tyrese, but he certainly was tortured by having to listen to Gareth's psycho philosophizing while munching Bob's leg. Uh, and it could be said that the termites might not have found the group without Martin. Tyrese also had a different sort of doubt and struggle regarding both the governor and Martin. Uh, they were both people he had an opportunity to kill who he knew or at least should have known were bad people. The reason Karen wasn't there was that uh, was that she and Tyrese were all good. He was out picking flowers when she died, doing the best he could by, uh, by her as far as he knew at the time, and he had no exp- uh, explanations to give her or any unresolved issues with her. 
he didn't have any guilt or conflict uh, in relation to Karen. Yeah, I like this a lot. So the people who were in the room were people, as Sloan says, unfinished business, people who Tyrese, you know, people who didn't sit well with him or... They were haunting him. Haunting him, exactly. Karen? Yeah. She doesn't need to haunt him. He was all good with Karen. And frankly, I think he was probably all good with Herschel, too. Probably. To go back to Herschel. I mean, if you remember, Rick, when when Tyrese first shows up at the prison, Rick is going through some stuff. His wife has just died. And Rick is actually talking to Ghost Lori up on the up on the uh, second floor of the prison right. there. Yep, yep. But but Tyrese kind of thinks he's talking to them, and he thinks Rick is casting them out, and that's when they go to Woodbury and have their, you know, dealings with the governor. Um, But Herschel's the guy there who's saying, Rick, relax, we got to trust these people, maybe we should welcome them in kind of thing. So I do think that Tyrese and Herschel um, got along okay, and they didn't have any, they didn't butt heads in any way. Right. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. So Herschel wouldn't have been there, Karen wouldn't have been there. The folks that were there are the ones that were haunting him, and that uh, he didn't really uh, didn't really sit right with him. Yeah, I like it a lot. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, Heather and Sloan for for those two great emails. Uh, moving right along, the next one comes from Dylan in Hull, UK. For me, the really interesting part about this episode was the theme of battling opposing ideas that are inherently intertwined: the yin and the yang. Aside from the obvious showdown between Tyrese's acid trip visions, there are little nods throughout the episode. Glenn looking at his warped reflection in the CD before he snapped it, the flowers growing out of the skeleton's chest in the forest, Michonne and Glenn basically sitting on Rick's shoulders like the angel of Hopetown and the devil of Bummerville. (laughs) Tyrese leaning against the car window, looking at the walker trapped in the other car, showing his two choices. The kicker, was that picture of the twins that Tyrese stares at, which ultimately proves his downfall. He sees one twin looking serious and the other grinning away happily. Yin and yang, guys. And one of the twins got him. One of the twins got him. Exactly. Bad twin. But there's just a lot of, like, you know, yin, yang, black, yep. black and white in this episode, uh, which which Dylan sort of outlines here so i i, I think that's uh, that's pretty good um i like it angel of hopetown and devil of bummerville that sounds like a uh, an album title if i ever heard of it <laughs> or maybe even a band name band name would be good well just bummerville would be the the band name yeah maybe it'd be too long the angel of hopetown and the devil of bummerville it's like oh my god oh have you heard band names these days or maybe not these days they they went through a phase where they were really long well, yeah, of course. I mean, and and uh, you know, I've been in bands where we spent months trying to think of uh, of bands name, band names like the Dog's Toothbrush, uh, Half Eaten Horse. These are all good. Santa's Bag. <laughs> I like Santa's Bag. <laughs> yeah, that was popular until we we told somebody and he said, "Yeah, too bad it only comes once a year." <laughs> oh come on, man! Come on. <laughs> that was an impromptu joke when we told somebody that. It was. It, I remember it to this day. All right, moving along, we have uh, an email from Floyd in Lancaster, Ohio. From a technical and artistic viewpoint, that was one of the best episodes of the series. That was Emmy-worthy good, in my opinion, and I've never felt that way about The Walking Dead before. So do you think he, I mean, technical, are we talking about um, the technical elements of filmmaking? Like the cinematography, yeah. I would I would think. That, yeah, the cinematography and artistic uh, you know, aspect of this of this particular episode. I I read 
somewhere online, maybe on our Facebook page, that there were people that weren't really happy with some of the special effects in this, like the governor turning into a zombie, which, I mean, maybe looked a little funny, but it was really just a dissolve, a very fast dissolve from one to the other, I think. I didn't get that at all. I thought that was a great transition. Well, there you go. So It's not like it was a star wipe or anything like that. <laughs> star wipe to zombie. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool. There's another good band name. Yeah, or, you know, if it was Lucas, it would be like a half, you know, the screen would go up or from the side to side. Uh, yeah, don't thank God Lucas wasn't directing this. That that, that No, that kind of uh, sliding transition, not going to work on The Walking Dead. But to be honest, I think it works pretty well in some Star Wars movies. Yeah, of course, especially when you're picking up C-3PO and it wipes uh, from bottom of the screen to the top and it looks like he's only got half a C-3PO. Half a 3PO. Yeah. A, to- a C-3PO torso and head. That's correct. Now that would be a scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sebastian in Pennsylvania writes, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the editing and effects in this episode. I kind of thought the intro was a little cheesy and didn't really uh, feel like, it didn't really feel like The Walking Dead. But I did like the transitions of the governor into the zombie and Lizzie <laughs> and Mika to Rick. So um, Sebastian feels the same way we do. I I thought the editing of the, the cold open was great, though. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I I liked it, too. I liked the effects. Uh, yeah, I, maybe it could have used a star wipe here and there, but uh, no. overall, I really liked it. No star wipes. Um, for me, it was, it was good because of, well, it was a little different, which is, which is always good, but I just got, I think it portrayed a really interesting, slightly confusing, uh, feeling form in me anyways. It, 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 it got that going and I liked it. You know, it's too often where everything is just straightforward and laid out right in front of you. And I think this worked a little bit, um, interesting that they show, you know, they kind of, it reminded me of the opening credits of Battlestar Galactica, where they would show scenes from that episode that you haven't seen yet. Oh, yeah. They used to do that all the time in TV shows. They did that in uh, uh, Magnum P.I. They did that all throughout the 70s and the 80s. They would show you a preview of the show that you just started watching. It drives I, me nuts. I thought Battlestar <laughs> invented that. I had no idea no. that was done before. Oh, go watch. Uh, it's on Netflix. Go watch uh, Magnum P.I. Huh. Just one episode that will they lay out the entire show while you after you start watching it. That's really weird. I mean, spoilers are such a huge deal these days. But like a, thirty years ago, who nobody cared. It was a different time, my friend. Clearly, a different time. Well, back when Falcon Crest was on the air, and that was the end all be all. In terms of The Walking Dead, I think the cold open just presented a bunch of questions that they then answered throughout the episode, and it was done really effectively, and I quite enjoyed it. All right, next we have an email from Angie in Birmingham. As a whole, not a great episode. Mostly filler. Great performance from Andy, Stephen, and Denai. Uh, gorgeous direction from Greg. The last 10 minutes were the best of the whole episode. Can't wait to see the rest of the season move forward now that the group have found their purpose. I'm afraid I disagree with Angie on this point. Uh, I didn't see really any filler in this. Um, I thought it dragged a little bit in the middle. Like, I thought they might have, might have had pacing issues, but uh, overall, I like the episode. I think it's funny that she says, not a great episode, and then great performances from, from all the actors, and gorgeous direction from Greg. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I mean, I, I mean, she doesn't want to, you know, fill the whole email with bad stuff. You know, she wants to give a balanced opinion. I guess so. Um, but, you know, to be fair, this might have been my favorite of season five so far, so... Uh, 
to each their own, I suppose. But thank you, Angie, for writing in. Matt from Clementon, New Jersey writes, Dear Walking Dead enthusiasts. <laughs> I guess that's us. <laughs> I guess so. And the, and the listeners. And the listeners. That's everybody, really. Okay. Including Matt. He goes on, This return episode was definitely a trippy one. I'm not sure how much I liked it. It wasn't a bad episode, though. I liked the way they got the group headed back to Washington. I was wondering how Morgan was going to meet them there, since they presumably weren't going to go now that Eugene was a liar. It felt organic to have a group member suggest it, since they are tired of being on the road all the time. Michonne was a good character in this episode, just trying to find ways to stay put somewhere. Yeah, everybody's tired. Well, that's going to happen. I mean, good God. The, the amount of crap that these people have undergone with, like, nowhere to sleep and nothing to eat and, uh, you know, unlimited ammo. I mean, man, you're going to get tired from that. Yeah, it is not a good time for our intrepid heroes. No, it's it hasn't been a good time for a long time. Um, Except for Carl when he found that uh, that big can of pudding. Oh, those were good times. <laughs> yeah, and Michonne tried to have a good time with the spray cheese, but Carl Carl wasn't into it yet. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Matt in Auckland. Uh, I got a different impression from the radio broadcasts than you did. I thought they were just describing horrible events in the world pre-apocalypse as Tyrese and his dad listened to it and not the start of the outbreak. I did some searching on the internet and found a Hollywood Reporter article where Scott Gimple confirmed that these broadcasts weren't supposed to be showing the start of the outbreak and that the voice was, in fact, Andrew, Andrew Lincoln. A nice Easter egg. Yeah, they confirmed on AMC's Talking Dead that it was Andrew Lincoln doing the radio voice. Nice. So, again, just an Easter egg. I guess they needed somebody with a British accent, and he was close by. So, You know, maybe if it was a hallucination of uh, a radio broadcast, maybe this was, uh, you know, unresolved issues with Rick. You know, maybe it was, maybe he was thinking of Rick's voice, where Rick is the voice of doom. Rick is the, uh, you know, talking, or, you know, the director or the... Uh, the the voice that tells the group about bad things. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was it was some kind of not just a nice Easter egg, but was uh, you know a little bit of an insight into Tyrese's relationship with Rick. Well, you know what? Everything going on in that room was um, was Im- was important from uh, Tyrese's perspective, right? And right. if he had you know visions of people that he had fun- unfinished business with, um, now. If it you was see, Rick's alive, right? Everybody else is dead, <clears throat> and Rick is alive. So maybe that it, it wasn't necessarily unresolved issues, or uh, you know him uh, bringing up these ghosts in order to deal with them. It was just something about the r- relationship between Tyrese and Rick that lent itself to Rick being the voice on the radio. Yeah, the only thing about that was if it was Rick on the radio, it would have been Rick, not Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm reaching. I, I recognize <laughs> that I'm reaching, but and I'm. You know, it's all supposition and probably complete garbage, but uh, they just, you know, they had Andrew Lincoln. They're like, hey, you want to do something in your uh, native accent? Sure. Right. No, but I actually like the con- the idea that um, this was, I mean, Rick's the leader. He is the leader of this group, right? And he makes a lot of decisions, and we've gone from dictatorship to democracy and back and forth, and he was a farmer for a while, but he's always kind of been the leader, and... um you know, if if Tyrese was going to hear a voice on a radio, it would make sense that the most prominent voice in the group would be that, and that's the leader. 
Right. And I like that idea. In fact, now that I think about it, they almost should have just had Rick do, like Rick Grimes on that radio rather than Andrew Lincoln in the British accent. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably, like I say, it's probably reaching and that was not meant to represent anything in their relationship. It was just Andrew Lincoln uh, taking the opportunity to get into a studio. And, you know, maybe he was doing some, uh, what is it, ADR uh yep after the what's it what's ADR stand for after dialogue replacement i think yeah so maybe he was doing some ADR and they're like oh crap we forgot to do the radio part uh we need to hire an actor uh hey andrew you're sitting there would you mind doing another track for us that mm-hmm. would uh, take 10 minutes uh, i'll buy you uh, i'll buy you a pint of guinness <laughs> he's like yeah no problem <laughs> why not i'd do anything for a pint of guinness would you now almost i love guinness <laughs> The best one, the best one I ever had was at the Guinness Brewery in Dublin. I'm going to offend a lot of people. I really don't like Guinness. I, I tried it once. I really hated it. But you don't even like beer that much, so ah, beer's boring. No, it's not. It's delicious. Guinness is so yeah. good, man. I like a, a nice rum and coke every now and again. I know, I know. Well, go make one. Um, one more email on the radio about the radio comes from Kara on the internet. She says the radio seemed like childhood memories from traveling with Tyrese's dad and he forgot and he fought to live right till he asked to turn it off the whole time. He was not ready to give up. He fought, left it on. Then he chose to stop fighting, turn it off. There it is. So the radio was, you know, Tyrese's, it was the representation of Tyrese's mindset and uh, whether or not he wanted to live or die because when he's in the rate, when they're in the car, he says, turn off the radio. Then he leans over, closes his eyes and that's it for him. Right. All right, next we have an email from Roman in Toronto. I think Noah is going to turn out to be a bad dude. When Tyrese enters Noah's house and walks down the hall to the bedroom, the door with the walker was closed. That means Noah had to be the one to let this uh, let his walker brother out. He was the only one in the house with Tyrese. This is an interesting idea because it kind of makes sense. How did that walker get out of that room and get to and sneak up on Tyrese? Well, we know zombies can turn doorknobs. We we do. That's true. And that's that's where this falls apart a little bit. The other thing is we don't know one hundred percent there wasn't another walker somewhere in that house. There's there There were twins. Exactly. You know? There were twins. There were rooms that we didn't see uh Tyrese check. So there could have been another walker somewhere else. It's not necessarily the one that was behind that door in that room. For all we know, that walker's still there. Right. That being said, if Noah is playing some kind of long con here and he really is a bad guy and he's letting that he lets that walker out and knowing that he's gonna go take out Tyrese, that's uh that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily believe that and I don't think that uh you know if Noah's plan was to let out a zombie to attack Tyrese uh, that's a pretty dumb plan overall because Tyrese is—he's uh, got that magic hammer. He could wade into a, you know, an entire horde of zombies with that uh, that magic hammer, and he comes out a swinging and uh, just fine, mm-hmm. letting out a, a single zombie to wander around the house and maybe uh, attack Tyrese. Is is it's a, you know, generally speaking, that's a dumb plan. It happened to work in this case. But uh, it's a it's a dumb plan. Well, if that's what happened, it worked. But the other thing is that door looked like it was at kind of the end of a hallway. Yeah. So, like the logistics of doing that, of going up to the door, 
opening it, letting the zombie out, and it not attacking you, and then you somehow yeah. sending it in to attack the other guy while you stand there and wait. That's uh, it's pretty tough to do. If I wanted to take somebody out who had their back to me, I wouldn't release a zombie to do it. I'd go to the garage, get an axe, walk up behind them, and bury it in his head. Sneak up on him, right? You can sneak as well as a zombie can. In fact, maybe even better. Probably better. Yeah. Unless the, those, there's ninja zombies. Those would be scary. You've got to watch out for them. Because they have residual memories from life, and if they have their ninja skills at all, man, those are some scary ninja zombies. Yeah. Well, someone that, needs to make a TV a show about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a movie right there. <laughs> all right. Uh, Matthias or Matthias in Derome, Sweden. Uh, a listener from Sweden. If you if you see my cousin who lives in Sweden, uh, Matthias, say hi for me. What's your cousin's name? Leanne. Leanne, and it's probably Matthias. Uh, Matthias. Okay, Matthias. My cousin is Leanne. If you know her, she lives in um, Sweden. Yeah, you just said. Shoot, I can't <laughs> remember the name of the town now. It's not <laughs> Stockholm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Matthias. Matthias. What did you say it is? Matthias. Matthias. God, I'm an idiot. He says, in the latest episode, I heard Noah say something to the dead woman on the floor in his house. I thought I heard him say, I did as you told me to, or I did what you wanted me to do. Did you hear that, and what do you think it meant? Well, I went back and checked the tape with the closed captioning on. What he actually said to her is, I tried to come back sooner. I tried. There you go. So he's really just apologizing to his mom for not coming back sooner because, I mean, he was, you know, stuck in a crazy lady's hospital for a while. Right. He was doing the ironing, you know, and that always slows you down. It always does. There's a lot of ironing to do in hospitals. There is. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, you got to iron the sheets, you got to iron the the pillowcases, uh, you know, the scrubs. There's so much, the the lacy handkerchiefs that some people use to blow their nose. And this is Dawn. I mean, she probably had him ironing the drapes and, uh, you know, you should iron the drapes. You don't want wrinkly drapes. <laughs> Good God, man. Tablecloths and things like that. <laughs> of course. Ironing your socks. Who would iron their socks? I would. Oh, that'd be nice, eh? Nice little bit of starch on them, and then you put them on in the morning. That'd be great. I would like that. Makes no sense at all. I've never done it, but I, I think I would like that. Okay. All right. Next, we have an email from Jeff on the internet somewhere. Hey, guys. I noticed something interesting on my second watching of the episode. There is a second instance of the Wolves Are Near tag in this episode when the group is first approaching the neighborhood michonne sees a burnt out barn uh, on the side of the road it only appears for a split second but the far side of the barn is tagged with the same wolf message as the house in the town this is true although i went back and checked the episode again and i am pretty sure like 95 percent sure on the side of that barn it says wolves are far Right, and the, in the neighborhood, it actually says wolves are not far, not wolves are near. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Crap. I thought it was contradicting the other message. I didn't go back well, to Well, no, that. not far is, you know, in the direct opposite of far. Except that maybe on the barn it does say wolves are not far, and you just can't really see the the not as well. So right. it's... Uh, maybe there's just a, a, an exclamation point, exclamation mark right right before the far. Which in programming right. terms means not. So right. maybe it, it's it's just you know it's crammed together and it's just wolves are, you know the uh, the boolean and, negative of far. Thank you. That's that's <laughs> that is just fascinating stuff. <laughs> I understand what you're talking about. But, Programmers would understand. Oh, you guys get it, don't you? Of course they would. Of course they would. Um, my point is though, I thought based on Jeff's email here 
that the messages were opposite, which I thought was more interesting than the messages being the same. Although seeing the message twice in the episode is still interesting because you got to wonder what the hell it means. I looked for the uh, I looked for the second message on the barn, but I couldn't find it. It's before they get to the uh, to the compound. Yeah, it's when it's right at the beginning when they're driving along, and they are talking. Um, uh, Noah and Tyrese are talking. There's a shot of Michonne, and then there's a shot out the window. And it is tough to see because it is very quick and it's on, it's not on the side of the barn that's facing the road. It's on the side of the barn that's facing the direction that the car is driving. So the camera's passing by the barn and just, you know, as it gets past, you can see the sidewall of the barn a little bit, which I think might be the front or the back of the barn because it's the shorter side. Um, And that's where the message is written and, you know, some trees are in the way for a bit and then it cuts away really fast. So you got to be, uh, Quick, quick with the eyeballs to see it. On the ball. All right, so I'm going through the opening uh, opening sequence now. Uh, anyway, I'll see if I can spot it. Yeah, check it out. I mean, it's um, it, you know, it's just interesting that it's in there twice. So this is this is going to come back. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know why they you know put a message like that in that that didn't have an obvious meaning and uh, just leave it alone. So we will right. see. We shall see. All right. Floyd from Lancaster, Ohio writes, when Tyrese kills the second zombie in the bedroom and it lays precariously close to him on that chair, it made me wonder if a zombie can be knocked unconscious. I'm thinking just with blood flow and oxygen to the brain being the main reason we are conscious, probably not. But what do you guys think? I think they cannot. No, I don't think They're so. They're dead. Either. They're not going to be unconscious. They're undead. <laughs> right. And you can't be undead and unconscious. Well, I, I don't know. That's a double negative. Probably not. No, uh, I don't think. I don't think zombies can be unconscious. I mean, it comes down to whether or not zombies have circulatory system function. I think, and they don't. So they don't. So there's no blood required in their brain. Therefore, the lack of blood in their brain means that they wouldn't be unconscious for lack of blood in their brain. Anyway, right. And we've seen zombies that are so mangled. And just so decomposed, like they don't have any blood left, yet they're still moving and chomping. So, yeah, that's true. All right. So, no unconscious for zombies the way we see it. Right. Okay. You're still watching so the episode, aren't you? Yeah, I was over there <laughs> and, you know, talking at the same time. So, we got uh, Antoine in New York. Just wanted to say that the whole time I was watching the drive back after Tyrese was bitten, I kept thinking, keep your eyes on the road, imaginary Beth. <laughs> Just like you said. I mean, she's got to watch where she's going. You really do because, you know, you're going you're gonna to crash the uh, crash the vehicle. And, you know, every time somebody gets in a car on this show, they end up crashing it, it seems like. Uh, I guess not in the last 17 days, but Lori flipped a car. Yep, and that's true. Oh, there's been other car car wrecks too, I'm sure. I don't know. Uh, Maybe Lori flipped two cars. No, I don't think so. I don't think Lori flipped two cars. Anyways. Oh, the other one was when they were driving to that hospital and they encountered the 7,500 zombie herd and they got stuck in it and stuff like that. Right. I, I think that counts. You know, watch where you're going because then you have time to stop or turn around. And then they rode off the uh, off the bridge in that, uh, in that van. I like to... Uh, Lock that out of my mind. <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't I'm happen. Writing that out of continuity. That's right. Um, okay, Mark in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hey guys, just an observation. Now that Tyrese became zombie food, the only 
directly related characters are Rick and his kids. Everyone else has lost all their relatives. And I went and did a little thinking on this, and I think this is an interesting observation when you go back through the characters. Carol, who's still alive, lost Ed, her husband, and Sophia. Maggie, who's still alive, lost Beth, Herschel, and the rest of her family. Yep. Daryl lost Merle. Michonne lost her boyfriend, although that was not really on the show, but he was one of the zombie pets. Yep. And Abraham lost his wife and kids as well. And there may be other examples that I'm missing, too. I, I don't know, but... It is interesting that none, I don't think, of the main characters have any like family relations left except for Rick and his children. Did uh, sorry, did he mention Amy and Andrea? Oh, that's another good one, but they're both yeah. dead. Well, yeah, but you know, we lost uh we lost Amy right at the beginning. Mhm. And then and then Andrea a little later. Yeah, no, that's true. Andrea survived for a while as the last member of her family. Um and the governor had Penny and she although she yep. was undead, but she's gone now um so yeah it, it is an interesting observation that they're killing off family members it may be completely coincidental um but it could be i still think it's it's just kind of neat hold on i got the barn going by here <laughs> you're uh, still looking for this <laughs> oh it's right there i i no, promise I get you it. then there's a damn tree in the way exactly it's All it's right. tricky man it's tricky why don't, you right. read, why don't you read the one, uh, one more email here? All right. So where are we? We are in Wendy in Columbus, Ohio. Honestly, my theory about Tyrese departing is that they had to kill him off because he was gaining so much weight. Really? <laughs> Did you notice? Some of the zombie, uh, Someone in the zombie apocalypse would not have an ever-expanding waistline. Google and compare the before and afters. So she's talking about Chad L. Coleman, and I don't want to say anything bad about Chad but I did go and look him up. He's put on some weight. There are some photos online of him as a rather trim, fit-looking guy. He's a little more roly-poly now. and a you know, little roly-poly. I'm okay. That's cool. I mean, hey, I'm a lot more roly-poly than I used to be. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. It really does. Um, as for being in the zombie apocalypse and putting on weight, you know, that's a thing. Um, it's the same complaint people had about Hurley on Lost. Stuck, yep. stuck on a desert island, and here's Hurley, you know, big big boy Hurley. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe they had to kill him off because he wouldn't stop eating. <laughs> I think it says wolves are not far. Really? I don't see the R all that much, but I can, can definitely make out the O-T, and it's definitely not an A-R. It's an O-T, so I can see wolves, something blurry, ought far. Okay, so what you're saying is both messages say the same thing. Yes, that's what I think. All right. Well, that is interesting in the fact that I hope they explain what that means, but it's not as interesting or it's not interesting in the way that the messages were opposite. I thought when they were wolves are near and wolves are far, I'm like, that just added more mystery and intrigue to that's it. That's very Sesame Street. That's uh, learning the <laughs> difference between something's right here and something's over there. Yeah, near, far, in the backseat of my car. That's right. All righty, so we got one more email here, and this has some comic spoilers for sure in it. It's not long, um, but it but it also has TV show speculation, so can't really call that a spoiler, but uh, some, some comic spoilers here. Um, it's only a couple sentences, so if you want to skip past, you can, but Ryan in New Jersey writes, Hey guys, I'm assuming this is major foreshadowing with Glenn when he picked up the baseball bat. 
uh, when the group stopped by Noah's community. I'm sure we'll be seeing Negan and crew. Potentially, these are the wolves in the second half of this season and, unfortunately, uh, have Glenn's demise. I don't think they'll show up in this season, not till after they get to uh, uh, Washington. I agree with that, although I'm pretty sure we're getting to Washington, not next episode, not the one after, but maybe the one after that. Right. So episode 12. Yeah, but we got to have, like, there's a whole thing that happens once they get there, right? True, but I have a feeling, I think this season might end with um, with that character showing up. And it'll I, be, I don't think so. It'll be a bit of a cliffhanger for uh, season, the beginning of season six. In fact, I, I'm going to predict right now, I think the scene that Ryan is referencing here could be the final scene of season five. I think it might be the mid-season finale of season six. Okay, that's, you know, that's just as likely. Um, but the way they're going, and I know I've only seen one of the second half, I think they're going to get there a little quicker. Anyways, um, I couldn't, you know, we couldn't not address this fact that he bent over and picked up a baseball bat because everyone was like, oh my God, every, do you know what that means? And, you know, those yeah. of us who have read far enough in the comic do know, in fact, what that means. Um, so hopefully no one got, uh, really badly spoiled here because of that. But, uh, you know, it's, it was, it certainly was, uh, one of those things I noticed on the show this week. Right. Uh, yeah. I, it did harken back. It brought back memories of that stuff for me as well. You haven't, I, you haven't, read I haven't past no, it. I haven't read that. I haven't read past that particular, uh, issue. No, huh. I've got them. I just bought, uh, bought a bunch of stuff to get caught up a little bit more, but I uh, have yet to do it. Um, Hardcovers or trades? Trade paperbacks, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all caught up except for the one that I think it came out this week. I, I buy the single issues because I'm a Today sucker. Today even. It's uh, Wednesday. Yeah, but I, I sorry, I meant, I think it was last week. Oh, okay. It might have been today. I don't know. I, I've lost track. Um, but you know, my local comic shop, they put it in my uh, file for me and I go pick it up whenever I want. That's pretty sweet. Sweet. You don't still have a file there, do you? Probably. Because you used to live here. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that they, they go, yeah, this guy hasn't been here in three years. I think we can retire his file. You should phone him up and just give them, you know, settle it for them and say, look, I'm not oh, I didn't back. have it. It wasn't on a pull list. It was on a file, and I called them periodically and asked them to put stuff in it. So I didn't have uh, oh. I didn't have a pull list. So I'm sure the file folder has been recycled somehow. All right. But, yeah, it wasn't on my pull list. not like they're storing an extra copy of all these things for the last three years for me. Okay. I have a pull list, So, but luckily yeah. I still live up the street. So, yeah. Um, if you did, I could go pick it up for you, but I don't. Okay, and I don't want to buy, pay for it. <laughs> right, and they probably have a policy. If I had a comic shop and I had uh, somebody had a pull list and they hadn't been in a year, I think I might uh, take some stuff out of their uh, their folder. Because mm, they, 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 you know, the, the issues <laughs> you know go up in value after a while. And if you've got, you know, really good copy uh, of an issue sitting in a file folder and somebody asks for it and is willing to pay three times as much for it, and the guy hasn't been in in three years, you're gonna you're not going to save that for him. I don't know. You, you need to give that person the benefit of the doubt. You need to call them and say, look, are you coming or not? For a while. Mm, maybe. It's a comic book shop. It's not, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're there to make money, right? That's true, but I mean, if they want to keep their customers happy, they don't sell off stuff that they're holding for them. 
Yeah, but you also don't hold stuff for somebody who's not your customer after three years. A friend of mine used to live in an apartment building that that had a laundry room down in the basement. So he'd go down to do the laundry. And um, he was a bit of a scatterbrain, this guy. And he went and did his laundry once and then left it there for two weeks. Yeah. And when he went to go get it again, it had been thrown out. And he was all upset that someone threw out his laundry. But I said, man, you left it there for two weeks. You can't expect them to keep it forever. I don't blame them for throwing out. No throwing kidding. It and uh, this is the same scenario, at least what you're proposing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I wouldn't, you know, I'd probably extend it beyond two weeks, but uh, I would probably have a policy of a year. You know, if I'm pulling stuff for you for a year and you don't come and get your stuff, uh, you know, the stuff that's older than a year, I'm not going to keep for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fair enough. Maybe Unless you're, you know, if if you have a pull list and they have your credit card number and you're charging for it every time you put it in a folder, that stuff, that stuff stays there forever. Mm-hmm. Right, but if it's you know you're pulling it you're pulling a an, an issue out of the goodness of your own heart so that somebody can come up come and pick it up, you know a couple of months is fine, but three years come on all right no i i'm I'm with you, I agree, okay, well, now that we've broken down comic book pull list policies um we can, <laughs> as we would implement them that's true we can <laughs> we can probably wrap things up here now. A um, couple things before we do. Uh, we found out, um, well, last week, uh, sorry, last week, uh, last Monday um, on our previous show, we, we were talking about the podcast awards and when they're, uh, they're going to be announced. Yeah. Oh, my God. We know now when they're going to be announced. They've updated their website. And it's February 25th, isn't it? 23rd. Monday, 23rd. February 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully that is correct. <laughs> How come? Okay, so they shut down uh, nominations uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And it's taken them four weeks to get their shit together to announce these things? I don't know. I, I They probably just want to build up some anticipation, maybe. It says, we have a slate of nominees announcement pending. Live slate announcement, Monday, February 23rd. 9 p.m. Eastern. I don't know if that means the website's going to suddenly be updated at that time or if they're going to like do a podcast right? And then, and then announce the nominees. I'm hoping that since that's a Monday, we can record and maybe find out if we're nominated live during our recording. That would be fun. <laughs> okay, so we'll, uh, we'll live cast uh, watching a website <laughs> for well, updates. I'm just saying, if they if they stick to the 9 p.m., like the website's updated uh, at 9 p.m., we could be sitting here doing this and then refresh. Oh my God, look, we're nominated, or no, we're not. Let's go jump off a building. So I did that once for a website. I wrote a little JavaScript that had a countdown timer for when the website was going to go live, and uh, it it refreshed every now and again with that countdown timer, and then uh, brought up the site. Automatically, that was uh, mm-hmm. I was very proud of that little JavaScript thing. I've done similar things for 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 updates and so on. In case anyone was wondering, Jason and I both work in online software development. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's happening Monday, February twenty third, nine p.m. By then, we'll find out and we'll talk about it again. Until then, I probably won't bring it up. Um, the other thing, just before we go today, is to uh, remind everyone that this show is entirely listener supported and um, you can you know help us out by doing all your shopping at Amazon and using talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon but you can also support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the talking dead 
and finding out how finding out there how you can help a little bit and uh, making a small monthly pledge. There are some different levels of support, and you can get a, a reward or a perk from us if you if you get to a certain level, which I'll let you find out about by going to patreon.com slash the talking dead. Thanks to everyone who has supported us and uh, everyone who's thinking about it. And, Much appreciated. And everybody for listening. Who am I kidding? I love yeah. everyone. You do. All righty. We will be back on Monday when we talk about season five, episode 10. Um, I think that's it for this time. So until then, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.